welcome to the Geeky Monkey Podcast. I'm Claire Lim and I have a host of geeky delights for you to get your ears wrapped around this month. I spoke to Joe Glass of the Pride Comic and Neil Gibson of T-Pub at last month's MCM Comic Con in London. Special guest geek Helena Fai also joins me. She runs music website Podcart and she joins me for a chat about why we don't want to see our favourite movies remade. Remember, issue 15 of Geeky Monkey is out now, featuring Felicity Jones of Star Wars Rogue One, and there are exclusive interviews with John Carpenter and William Shatner, plus lots, lots more. So make sure you go grab that now. It's in all good news agents and available online. Okay, so I'm here with Joe at the Pride. Hi, Joe. Hi there. So tell me a little bit more about the Pride and what it's about for those who don't know. Okay, well basically the Pride is a uh, superhero comic book team series about a whole team of LGBTQ superheroes. It really explores both the archetypes of superheroes, so like you know, from your archetypical powers and doing it in a queer light, so showing that you know, an LGBTQ hero can be just as important as, say, a Superman or a Batman. Um, and it's really about adding better representation and diversity and just expanding what um, is shown of the LGBTQ spectrum in the medium of comic books. Um, a big part of it was just because when I was a teenager growing up and sort of coming to terms with my own sexuality um, and being a big comic book fan, although I got a release in comic books and um, characters who were analogous to being um, LGBT, so like the X-Men or something, there was no one who was like explicitly out as a gay character they were they did exist but they like weren't even in the books anymore like they were in a background for a panel and then disappeared so i just felt like i wanted to be able to relate to a character who was visibly me kind of like visibly more like the kind of things i was going through and thinking about and all that kind of thing so i basically just got to a point where it's like well if no one else is going to make it i'm just going to make it myself so basically that was how the pride started it's what it's kind of about um, and it's about this team of kick-ass LGBTQ superheroes who save the world. And do you feel, like, so Fab Man, I was reading a bit about Fab Man, do you think there's a bit of Fab Man in you then, like someone who wants to basically, that's, that, sorry, let me rephrase oh, no. that. <laughs> do you feel that you've put some of yourself into that character then, because he wants to basically uh, represent that community in a better light? Definitely, I think uh, Fab Man, um, maybe a little bit more so than some of the other characters. I think all of the characters have a little piece of me in them and a little piece of people I know and um, all my experiences and everything. But Fab Man, I think, maybe is a little bit more of me than maybe some of the others. Um, and maybe is more of um, my sort of desires in what I want to do. Um, he's also more me, I guess, in a sense, but he's a very camp and unapologetic, you know, um, stereotype gay man and the big part of that was just like so many times when you do see a gay character in comics they are as much as the, I loathe the term straight acting like they could pass you know you, unless the character comes out and says I'm gay you're not gonna know um, and I felt like well yeah that's great there are people like that but there's plenty of people who are screaming queens like me so I'm like that we deserve a voice too and we deserve to be heard and they shouldn't have been this sort of shutting away from representing that kind of gay culture and gay man as well so having Fab Man be not just the person who wants to represent and bring things together but also be a flamboyant flaming queen was 
definitely probably a big chunk of me in there. <laughs> and do you feel, because I've read about the other characters like Wolf, Muscle, Mary, Frost, Twink, so are those all characters that represent different parts of that community as well? Is that why you call it? Do they represent that trope yeah, within absolutely. the community? Um, and do you think there's actually still a lot, I mean, because I know what you mean, I read a lot of comics. <laughs> And superheroes are big business now. Totally. And we can see it seeping through in mainstream comics a little bit. Yes. Very slowly. But do you think it'll come through in the movies as well? I think we're probably still uh, a long way from it. I want it to. Um, but I think we're still a long way just because um, Hollywood um, has a long-standing aversion to LGBT lead stories. Um, or And certainly has proven to have a, an aversion to having LGBT superheroes represented. They have, after all, already had films with characters who are LGBTQ in the comics, but in the films they're not, they're straight, they're, you know, or at the very least it's not explored in any way. So it's kind of, it's definitely something which has been a big problem with Hollywood for many years, and I think it's um, a much more um, ingrained problem. Um, and I don't, and I think it's a lot harder to change. A lot of producers and uh, that are involved in Hollywood, product, in the production industry side of things, are obviously from this much older generation, um, and their own personal politics and things will obviously get in the way of actually what gets made. So I think we're going to be a while off before we see it. I would love to see it a lot sooner rather than later, but seeing as we've already had queer characters appear from comic books appear in movies and they're not queer. Um, so they've been recloseted for the movie. I can't see it happening anytime soon. And circling back to the comics now, because uh, obviously that's that's your trade. Um, what do you think about the industry now? I mean, I, as I said, I can see it seeping through. There's yeah. some gay characters in there, but they they, they pass a straight pretty yeah, much, and that's that's what I see. I don't think it's very much representative. Um, there's a lot of women in comics still, but they're all their boobs are half out, and it's, it's that kind of thing. Do you think it's changing in comics as well? I think. Um, we are changing in comics, and I think um, <clears throat> excuse me, the the main two publishers are making big strides in it. They are, sometimes they fumble and sometimes uh, they fall, um, and they're not really quite getting it sometimes. Um, but then you got to look at um, some of the things they're doing. Like DC have, have been really amazing of late. Um, they've just announced that Wonder Woman, one of their trinity of core characters, is a queer woman. Uh, and that came from an editorial standpoint. That interview went through editorial several times to make sure they were happy with saying that. So editorially, DC is happy to say that one of their big main three characters is queer. So that is huge in and of itself. This came after a week of Midnight of, and Apollo, the new series just came out. Um, they just announced Batwoman is coming back in February, a queer lesbian character who is also being written by a queer woman. So it's like, it's definitely been something they haven't shied away from and they've embraced it. Whereas Marvel has been a little bit less so, but they're certainly adding a bit more for um, LGBT readers out there. Um, obviously we've just announced that Iceman is finally getting his new book. Um, he's never had a solo series before, I don't think, or maybe it's just been a mini-series, but now he's a queer character who technically would be one of the oldest queer characters in comics history, on a technicality, um, but he's got his own book and he's going to be there, front and centre, leading it. That's pretty huge. Um, so it's kind of exciting to see it happening and it is seeping through, but like I said, they do still make mistakes. Um, it would still be nice. It's going to be interesting to see the creative team for Iceman, for example. Um, it would be all well and good uh, having Iceman as a book, but if it's being written by um, people who 
don't identify as queer or um, don't really see them aren't really known for being an ally of the queer community it might seem a little half-hearted <clears throat> so hopefully we won't see that we'll actually see a creative team who will get it you know and just the, the, talking about LGBT the LGBT community in general mm -hmm. do you feel that they're only we're making strides again but only certain parts of that are being communicated in the media because yes I, I can see it myself as a straight woman I can see the LGBT people are coming out before but do you think they are it's like caricatures of people in TV film and comics so what what is your thoughts on that in the media in general I'd say that it's not quite um, a caricature at the moment as yet if anything like like we were saying earlier it's it's quite often would pass as straight gay kind of characters um, because it, it's harmless you know um, the dangers in media are obviously all the usual tropes of you know the miserable gay man or the happily partnered gay man there's never really a single gay man who's sexually active or something it's it's all these tropes which kind of make the gay man or queer woman safe um, or in the case of queer women just um, attractive to a heterosexual male audience and I think that's something which needs to change and we need to have a more broader sense of representation um, and there's definitely comic books which are out there doing it. Midnight uh, uh, and Apollo is an excellent example um, which has really pushed the um, scope of masculinity and what masculinity means and as well as being a gay man and everything so I think that's been a superb uh, sort of look on it and uh, writer Steve Orlando's doing an amazing job. Um, I would like to see more types of gay, gay men sort of being shown and more types of lesbian characters being shown um, and more types of trans characters. I mean, at the moment, I, there's very few trans characters and they're not really leading characters. We need some trans leads now. Um, so and yeah. circling back to the Pride now again, mm -hmm. so the stories covered in the Pride, the trials and tribulations of the team. Uh -huh. Are they reflective of the trials and tribulations of the LGBT community as well or have you tried to just focus on the superhero element but they just so happen to be part of that community? We definitely cover um, what might be termed an LGBTQ issue every here and there. Um, the, the villain could be argued to be the kind of thing which LGBTQ community faces uh, somewhat as well so that's a big thing. Also the reaction of the media and how the media treats them um, is a fairly important big thing as well. Um, I'd say the way I wanted to do it though was to have these LGBTQ issues but also show them in a relatable and understandable light to anyone whether they are LGBTQ or otherwise so that basically we can understand them as just human issues anyone can relate to this you know um, so we do cover like a lot of things which sometimes get narrowed down as an LGBTQ only issue when it really isn't. I think so I think there's a focus on cer certain elements of the media, if you're part of the LGBT community, only certain issues can be covered. But everyone has been an outsider, been loved and you face loss yeah. and things like that, and enemies and friends. So I'm glad, it's good what you're doing and I really hope that you do well with it as well. Oh, like, it looks like it's going well for your table. It's, yeah, it's been going uh, really well. I mean, uh, the book's on Comixology as well. Um, issue one actually was one of the top 50 uh, Comixology submit titles of 2014. Well done. Uh, which was amazing. Yes. Um, and yeah, it's been going really well. The series is finished. We've just released um, a hardback collected edition, which we funded through Kickstarter. 
um, which was hugely successful. We were looking for like uh, 13,000, we ended on like over 20,000. Well done. So it was absolutely amazing. So it, there's definitely an audience out there for it. Yeah. Um, and that's always what I've been trying to say. And I think I've been proven right. And tell me very quickly, now moving on to stiffs, because I can see stiffs here. Yeah. Um, oh, you've just dropped something. <laughs> I've got that. There you go. So yeah. tell me a little bit about stiffs. So that's a little bit different. What is stiffs about? Stiffs is a book I actually co-write with some uh, friends of mine from Wales, where we're from. Um, no. <laughs> like you couldn't tell. Um, but no, with uh, stiffs, it's a very different book. It's more of a mature content uh, horror comedy series book. Um, it's a bit like Spaced if Space met The Walking Dead and they had a baby. Oh. Um, and somehow a monkey got involved. Um, that sounds bizarre. Oh, oh, <laughs> Stiffs is definitely bizarre. Um, basically, it's about uh, Don Daniels and his uh, best friend, who happens to be a monkey, um, named Kenny, okay. um, who both work in a call centre, um, and discover that the undead exist, um, and decide, instead of getting like a professional involved, uh, they'll just take care of it themselves. Um, and it's basically just the mishaps and misadventures um, dealing with this um, supernatural threat um, and then having to rope in other people who they know down the pub kind of thing. So, you know, pretty much a standard night in South Wales. Right, yeah. Sounds like it. Sounds the same as Glasgow. Oh, like, yeah. yeah. pretty much. Monkeys, <laughs> Monkeys ghouls. Zombies, ghouls. All sorts, yeah. That yeah. sounds like Glasgow, pretty much. <laughs> um, so, now, before we leave you, uh, tell me where we can find you. Okay. Uh, well, The Pride can be found on Facebook at um, facebook.com slash The Pride Comic. Uh, we're also on Twitter um, at The Pride Comic. Um, and we've also got an online store where people can pick up the books in print, um, including the brand new collected edition, uh, which should be available in the store in about a week's time. Um, and that is www.thepride.bigcartel.com. Um, Stiffs is pretty much all the same sort of idea. It's uh, Stiffs Comic at the end of Facebook.com to find it there. Um, and then on Twitter, you can follow Kenny McMonkey, um, who is at Kenny McM. And uh, you can get Stiffs again online, um, in print as well, uh, at www.stiffs.bigcartel.com. Excellent. Thank you very much, Joe. No, thank you. I also caught up with Neil Gibson of Tea Pub um, whilst that was at MCM Comic Con. Uh, Neil Gibson, who runs Tea Pub, has um, an array of an amazing. Um, graphic novels and comics um, on his roster um, and it was really great catching up with him I've been catching up with him every time I go to Comic Con and every time I go his um, comics seem to be expanding in number um, so he's got a number of really interesting projects on at the moment so I caught up with Neil um, at MCM, here he is So I'm here with Neil, hi Neil Hello so we're sitting at the Tea Pub stand at Comic-Con and has it been a good Comic-Con so far? Yeah, it's been very good, yeah. Cool. And so tell me what you're pushing at the moment because I can see in front of me an array of goods but you've got a couple of really interesting things coming up. So Theatrics was one of them. You are yeah. talking about that earlier. Tell me a little bit more about Theatrics. Yeah, we just launched that as a, as a Kickstarter actually. So that yeah, of all the comics I've done, this has been the most well-received one. 
It's set in the 1920s Manhattan. This guy is the king of Broadway. He's the most famous actor there, and he's living the fast life. It's roaring 20s. But one night, he gets mugged, beaten up, and left for dead. And he loses everything. He loses his looks. He can't act. He loses his job. He loses his money, his apartment, his girl, everything. And it's what he decides to do next that gets interesting. Oh, so you can't say any more, obviously. No, but you can read it for free at uh, theatricscomic.com. And where does this... It's quite an interesting story, what you've just described. Where, does, where do these... like? Because I'm looking at Twisted Dark, Twisted Light, all of the other things you do. Where does this come from in your brain? Like, how, What inspires you to write these stories? Um, the Twisted Dark stories are, I find very easy to write. I've written, I think, like 200 of them. Um, but it's... That, it's normally one of three areas of genesis. It's either, oh, that's an interesting fact I didn't know, or that's an, oh, that would be a good twist, a surprising area, or it's a great conversation. Like that, I, that's either one I have or I think, think of. And I build a story around that. Uh, and I make sure it ties into the Twisted Dark universe. But when it's a standalone graphic novel, it doesn't matter if you have great uh, story and a great uh, characters and great universe and a great dialogue, you still need to have a great premise because that's what made people pick the book up in the first place. So it has to be able to something that you can say to someone in two or three sentences, what's it about? So that's a lot harder to come up with the right premise for a graphic novel. And with, let's come back to theatrics now as well. You said it's launching on Kickstarter. It's launched already on Kickstarter. Um, where can people find out about that Kickstarter campaign then? My, I mean, I'm not a good salesman. Uh, I, I think my honest suggestion is to go to theatricscomic.com and then you, on, on there, there's links to the Kickstarter, but that way you can also read some of it and see if you like it. Um, I, I think it's pretty good, but I'm a bit biased. Uh, well, if, you're, if, if it's like your other stuff, then it will be very good. I can say that. Claire's spoken. Listen to her. <laughs> That's the end of interview. Done. Um, now, I wanted to talk about uh, this film competition that you've got. Now, I received a press release, I think it might be a week or two ago, and then I was reading it on your stand here. I want you to talk about the, the film competitions. It's quite an interesting one. Tell us about it. Uh, it's kind of exciting um, about it. Uh, so, so, sorry, one second. I'm being called away to do a signature. Give me one second. Let's pause for a second. So. So tell us about the film competition. Yeah, it's, it's quite exciting. So what happened was um, I was at New York Comic Con uh, last year. Uh, I saw the book to this this guy, and I didn't realise he it's quite a big wig in Hollywood. I can't want to say, say I don't. He wants to say anonymous, so I'm not getting involved. But uh, he just gave us a bunch of money. He's given us a venue at Chicago Comic Con, and he's going to give a, a press release as well, with, like with uh, free booze and free food. And he said to me, Neil, I want to help you be what you deserve to be. So when someone says something like that to you, you say, okay. <laughs> and, and so, or you run away. <laughs> that's true, yes. But you, but you chose to stay. Well, he said that over the phone from America, so I, I was... Oh, that's, I, fine. <laughs> that's fine, you're safe. <laughs> no, he's, he's a great guy. Um, and um, so he, he, his, it was his idea, this film competition. So it's, uh, there are four stories that are from Twisted Dark Universe. They're not printed yet. And what we're doing is giving, we're looking for the next generation of filmmakers. And the main criteria is creativity, not high production values. And so you can register our site at tpub.co.uk and then you can get the full terms, conditions and the scripts. And you film one of these four stories and you submit to us. And this is where the interesting bit is. So the winner gets uh, $5,000, I think, cash. The second prize is $2,500. And but the, the more important than that is the publicity because they get to be shown you know, distributed wide, uh, wide, widely and shown at Chicago Comic Con. But the kicker is, the director of Stanley's Lucky Man, as Jamie Childs, uh, he's a fan of the series, and he will 
he's one of the judges, and any entry that he thinks stands out, and the winners, he is going to personally mentor in the film and TV industry. It's amazing, it's pretty exciting. I think so, I think as, as a young person trying to break in, uh, even if you've done some stuff already, this is a great opportunity for you. Which is, I think it's great because we all win together. Right. I would say that, like about Twisted Dark, it's a little bit like, well, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but I feel personally as a fan, very much like Black Mirror meets The Twilight Zone, kind of stuffed into like an anthology series. Would you say that that's kind of correct? That's perfect that's what reviewers say all the time uh, one critic called us uh, Twilight Zone for a new generation um, and the comparison to Black Mirror happens all the time it's good and aside from what we mentioned theatrics and the film competition what else do you have come up because like as I was saying to you before this interview your your table are, are now several tables and T-Pub has grown and grown and grown so we're coming now into 2017 apart from the film competition which ends in March 2017 what else do you have coming up um, we should have uh, at least uh, two more titles coming out next year, if not more. Um, the film competition is the main thing, really. Uh, we're also doing, a, um, <laughs> we're also making a documentary about cosplay. I can't reveal much about that yet. Okay. That's exciting. Uh, but what we're really doing now is we're opening up submissions uh, for, um, for uh, creator-owned stuff. So people like my writing, which I think is very nice, and I, I do like writing, but it was never my ambition. I just love good comics. I'm very passionate about the medium. And what I found I'm better at than writing, I think, is editing. So I'm looking for great or good writers, good or great ones, and I will nudge them to be a little bit extra by giving them feedback, which they have to agree with. Because if you don't agree with feedback, you shouldn't listen to it. And my job is to make people better and make better comics. That's what I really want to do. So we're opening up that next year. Advice you've got for people that are aspiring to do what you do, not just be in the comics industry, but actually create own, like basically run the whole shop. Like, have you got any advice for people out there that are interested in that side of things? Um, I'm trying to narrow it down because there is a lot. Uh, I think it's important to know what you are. Uh, a lot of people say they want to be both a writer and an artist, and I tell them, look, I can name on one hand the guys who are top class of that in the world that I've read. Uh, it's, it's much harder to be master of everything. If you pick one thing and be excellent at that, it's easier to excel at it. And then find a team around you to help in the areas that you're not best at. For example, I suck at social media. I do not understand it. <laughs> so I have to rely on a team of Like Lindsay is over here, she's running it for us now, and she said she told me, Neil, stay off it. You've been told, or in Glasgow, you say you've been told. Um, would you say when you were starting off and thinking, right, I want to change my career, I want to get into comics, did you want to do the business end or did you decide I want to be the writer? That's why I want to start. Well, I didn't actually want to change my job. I just love good comics and I was a fan for 10 years. And I, and I was stuck in a project in the Middle East, I had some free time, so I thought, why don't I try writing? And to my shock, people actually really like what I did. So it was not a, I want to leave my job, I want to do this. It was, I just love the medium. And I never wanted to be a writer, I just want to make comics. Um, so the business end started, I didn't actually want to run the company. I just, when I first started putting the books out, I, I got approached by publishers and they offered these rates, which I thought were a bit exploitive. So I thought, well, with my business background, I can form my own company and, and do things fully myself. Which, in hindsight, is the exact opposite of one telling other people is know what you are. But it's, it's too late now, I've taken that route, so I'm, done, I'm stuck with it. But it's, 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 it's great fun, it's very rewarding, but as you know, as, as you know, a business person, you can't do everything, you need to focus. And so I would suggest anyone out there, 
what is it you really want to do and why do you want to do it? Because asking the why will help you refine what it is you actually want. Very good advice. Now, I was going to ask you, like you, you have said you're rubbish at socials, but I was going to ask you where we can find you online. Do you know all your Facebook and Twitter stuff? Absolutely not. <laughs> well, no, I can no. say it's www.tpub.co.uk. Oh, right, you read it out, Neil. Sorry, our Instagram, our Facebook, our Twitter, and our Tumblr is all T-Pub Comics. Well, there you go. That's easy. <laughs> nice and easy. Yeah, that wasn't my idea. <laughs> so, Neil, thank you very much. And if anyone's at, like, how many Comic Cons do you do a year? Because people can come and catch you at all these Comic Cons. Yeah, about 30 a year. So, when's your next one? Next one is next weekend. I'm at Belgium and I'm at Birmingham Comic Con. And um, yeah. I'm, I'm not doing Paris because my wife said stop it. That's good advice as well. Listen to your wife. So, Neil, thank you very much for chatting to me. And if anybody wants to find out about T-Pub, uh, please check them out online. They're very easy to find. That's tpub.co.uk. Thank you very much, Neil. Thank you. In this month's Geeky Monkey magazine, there's a regular feature called Fighting Talk. And I am arguing against the Lost Boys TV show. It's a regular feature where we just get to moan and groan and someone gets to moan and groan on the other side. So the story is that Lost Boys, uh, the iconic 80s film, is being made into a TV show which is in development right now. I think it might be next year, late next year, the year after, where they're going to try and like roll it out. Um, it's going to be set over seven decades and seven seasons. Um, and yeah, it sounds like a pile of crap. <laughs> so you can read all about that in Geeky Monkey right now, uh, which is out this very moment. Uh, but I'm sitting here with Helena from Podcart because we're going to talk about films we just do not want to be seen, seen remade into a TV show or a rebooted film. So hi, Helena. Hi. Hi. Now, what films did you grow up with that you absolutely loved? Um, well, Lost Boys was obviously one. Um, I... I We've mentioned um, there. There's it's the eighties films. It's the eighties. Yeah. Uh, so we've got Goonies. We've got Flight of the Navigator. Mm-hmm. We've got there, there was the one that really upset me recently was Gem. <gasps> oh. I cannot believe what they did to Gem. They ruined that film or it, that that cartoon. There wasn't even any magical powers in terms of what happened. What was it? She was. A YouTube star or something, yeah, wasn't it? A YouTube star, which is obviously relevant to the millennials. Yeah. But um, to us, that is not what the flashing earrings were all about. No, no, no. They got it all wrong. I know yeah. what they tried to do, and they tried to make it relevant to younger kids. And the other one, Point Break. No, nah, I didn't even watch That's that. That's one of... I've not watched it. It's one of... From the trailer alone is one of the worst things I've ever seen. Crap. Absolutely So bad. Point Break is probably one of the ultimate bromance movies of the last totally. 20 plus years. Yes. Yeah. Oh my God. It's got Patrick Swayze in his absolute pomp. Yeah, Helena's making <laughs> sexual faces. <laughs> and Keanu Reeves. Oh, and Keanu oh my Reeves. God. In a wetsuit. Really, yeah. yeah. So, and they're, I mean, they're both in wetsuits at one point. But who's the so girl good. that was in Orange is the New Black? She's now um, in Orange is the New Black. That she was a female lead in this. Oh, I can't remember what her name is. And yeah. my God, just that whole there's like skydiving now and all this crap. But no, there's none rubbish. of that emotion of what happened in that film. And granted, it was quite cheesy, but I think that's what made it. Yeah, and it's a time and a place. Yeah. So when they're talking about doing things like Bill and Ted again and stuff, I mean. 
I would love to see that, but at the same time, it is the 90s, like the 80s, it's just a time and a place. Yeah. You think about the music of, say, Point Break and things, or the feeling of those 80s films when you're younger, and it just, like, you know, like, 16 Candles and all those kind of films, they just have a feeling yeah. to them. Yeah, Breakfast Club. Breakfast Club's amazing. But we're going to talk about two films in particular that yeah. we do not want touched. No. We, we just think we should they should be left, so... The first one, let's talk about Flight of the Navigator. Tell me what the film was about to start, because some people might not okay. know what this film was about. So there was a young boy, and he basically um, went, him and his dog, they went into the forest, and then they ended up on, I'm just really condensing this, mm-hmm. and they ended up getting taken on this spaceship, mm-hmm. which was like a, a beautiful silver kind of... Like a bullet. Sleek, yeah, yeah bullet. And um, this, uh, he names this uh, the the actual the steering mechanism and and heart of mm-hmm. this spaceship, Max, and um, he is being chased by this higher power, which I think to a certain degree kind of represents the age that we're in in terms mm-hmm. of the government and everything like that. And um, my favourite scene is when the steps come out and he's in a field of cows, mm-hmm. and it just shows the kind of real contrast between man and machine yeah and um it's such a it's the relationship between the boy and the spaceship and max and it's that there's no um there's no discrimination there's no judgment it's just pure it's it's innocence yeah that's what it comes down to and it's just acceptance as well, which is a massive thing. And I think that that's what really appealed to me about the movie. It's quite like, I think it's a wee boy or a wee girl, or even a teenage boy or a girl. Yeah. It's it's just a simple sci-fi story, and it stands up today, like you said. Um, Just that relationship between a child and some kind of otherworldly being, yeah. spaceship. Because they never really explain where... You don't see where the spaceship comes from. You don't see a weird alien planet. There's some good effects, but it's not crazy whatever. You know, this, I can't imagine how they'd make it now. They'd probably stick 3D all over it and it'd look rubbish. And inside the ship, when he finds those little creatures... <gasps> oh, and the one that look, grabs his fingers. And I wanted one of those oh so badly. And you can watch it now, and I think if you watch it with a child now, they would relate to that. Yeah. Because there's that... The creature doesn't speak, it just makes little noises, it's fine, but it appeals to the kind part of our human nature. You know, you want to like keep this little creature safe. And and then, yeah, that way where you've got this the shadowy organisation after this boy and it's kind of like the loss of innocence i think that's the the probably the theme of this podcast and the films that we've chosen is Mm. that it's really about children and about identifying with things that translate to children Mm -hmm. and the directors have been instrumental in doing that and Mm -hmm. to capture that on film is a really phenomenal task Um, so and especially the obviously the next film that we're going to talk about after this but me you know it's it's really fascinating to be able to delve right into that and being able to mm. to kind of translate that on film i think yes. it's a such a great talent it's one of those films as well that i think like the navigator doesn't go unsung, but it's just slightly under the radar. Yeah. Because everyone always talks about what we're going to see talk about next, the Goonies and, and all these films, Lost Boys. These are the ones I think people think, or the John Hughes movies, 
everyone thinks about those 80s movies first, but Flight of the Navigator is one that not everyone, I think, has seen. It's not really on everyone's radar. But why do you not want this to get remade? Would you not want to see it again on the big screen or be made into like a TV show that would appeal to teenagers or young people? I think realistically, it's with any of these movies when you get them remade, the first time that you see them, it's like they speak to you. Mm -hmm. They embed something in you that you can't really explain to people. Mm -hmm. And then I guess that when you get a bit older and, and wiser to things, you it, it takes away the nostalgia mm-hmm. and that's the problem. Um, but now with the effects that we have and the reality, I just feel that sometimes in, in the remakes they lose that connection. And that the we, warmth. Yeah, mm-hmm. that I was mentioning earlier with the mm-hmm. translation to say for perhaps a child mm-hmm. and they don't, they're not able to kind of really tap into what you felt was, like E.T. for example, yeah. if they ever fucking made <laughs> E.T. I'd go mental, I'd go batshit. Surely they can. They can't do that, they can't. Unless the studio and Spielberg spaz out and just yeah. start selling things to it, That's whatever. just a ridiculous thing. No, you can't. And it stands up, again, a lot of these films still stand up. There's no, there's no need or want for them. And I think there's a lot of um, TV shows that are have been based loosely on these films like Lost Boys for example um, or the reboots nobody asked for a Lost Boys TV show nobody actually asked for it um, what I actually want to see are things like Westworld and things like that. I can understand that's based loosely on a film and the book but that I kind of get I think when you're kind of going oh yeah vampires I can imagine how they're going to do it but just you know? to just to pose this mm-hmm. we have someone told me last week we get 27,000 thoughts a day through our human brain at the same time. Mm-hmm. So why are we regurgitating and remaking films that have already been done and have been done well yeah. when we could be doing things that are so better and giving young filmmakers with new ideas that element of, you know, progressiveness mm-hmm. that's what I can't understand I think it probably comes down to time and budget totally and which is a sad thing it is a sad thing and you know I'm all for things being sometimes a reboot can be good like Solaris I thought was a, a good remake of I've the not original film. watched that one that's good um and it's, it's genuinely a good film and it conveys a story well but in the case of these, it's they're just so iconic. But that that makes me. I'm going to move on to the Goonies yes. now. So the Goonies is another one um, that our generation all sort of talk about. Um, it's it's absolutely incredible. If you want to explain the story of the Goonies, very simple story. It is. But go ahead. What's the Goonies? What are the Goonies? And so what's the film about? A group of boys who are, are very close and all different. Uh, cultures, disciplines, shapes, sizes, um, personalities that come together and there's one child who um, has found, he obviously has this dream and he's a daydreamer much like myself, he finds a map and he's like yes it's a pirate map, we're gonna go, we're gonna find this and he you know he's like he's really passionate about it and he goes on a journey ends up embroiling his, his older brother the brother that who it's James Brolin, yeah, yeah. who has aged well, <laughs> and um, ends up in in Brolin, the uh, 
bringing in uh, two girls that the older brother has a, a crush on and, and her friend. And it's just about, I suppose, the, um, the just going with that dream that you have and it paying off at yeah. the end of the day. And what I love about it is it's almost like kids versus adults. Yeah. And uh, adults thinking, you know, well, no, you can't do that. And then the kids going, well, I'm going to do it. Yeah. And then it actually saying at the end, listen to your children. Yeah. And that way of coming (laughs) out the other end changed. Totally. Because sometimes, it's a good analogy, I never thought of it like that, actually. they, They go through some danger. Yeah. And there's some hairy moments and uh, they meet some crazy, strange characters. Yeah, but at the, the end, Fratellis. Yes, the Fratellis. <laughs> oh my God, they scared the shit out of me when I was younger because I was so And so do the band. Yes, oh my God, I think that the band are possibly worse <laughs> than the fictional family, the Fratellis. I am hashtag for the Fratellis and the Goonies. But I kind of feel that that is a good sort of that's good advice for any maybe parent or child whatever sometimes you need to go through some crap yeah and meet some questionable characters you know and keep yourself safe within you know within reason you know whatever but you come out at the other end as a changed person and those relationships change and they get closer but i don't know there's more trust there's more honesty i don't know like this just it's just a nice coming of age Sort of film. And also what you have to remember is as a child you've got no fears. You've got slight fears. Um and as you get older those fears they augment. Mm-hmm. But as a child, say us now, you'd be like, There's no way I am doing that. <laughs> but as a child you'd be like, I'm I'm a bit scared, but I'm gonna do it. Yes. So yes. it's it's about embracing that and I just wish I could go back to that stage of being like that and that's why I love Flight of the... It's, that's the continuous theme with these movies is having that bravery to do these things. Mm-hmm. So I think that's why we just... L- we kind of look so fondly upon, upon those. And that's why the kids' films today... The, the ones that I like anyway to like the Pixar movies and oh stuff like that. Oh my god, they're amazing. Up and things like that as oh. well. All the animated shows, all the animated films I actually think are almost better than anything else that's being made. And it has that sense, again, I'll use Up as an example. I mean, oh my god, there's, there's heartache. I mean, within the first 10 minutes, everyone's like a total mess. I was like, that hits you. But then there's hope and there's a bit of peril and then there's the relationships between them. And it's just the same kind of vibe. And I, I love that about those films. And when you tap into those simple stories, there's no way if they remade the, Go- the Goonies now in this cynical age where they would probably like just tack a whole bunch of CGI onto it, make it ridiculous. The kids would be on their phone. Oh, yeah, the maps. Oh, I've, got, I've got a bit of Wi-Fi in the cave. Can you imagine it? Can you imagine it? Oh, 4G. 4G in the cave, whatever that is the things thing. like that. Yeah. There's no magic to it. Oh my god, that's so true. I've never thought about stuff like that. Yeah, can you Because imagine? when you look at the movies now and they've got mobile phones and films, mm-hmm. that's just bizarre. I think used well, like I, I don't like it overused like technology. So for example, when you watch things like um House of Cards, like some more grown up shows or uh, Mr. Robot, when they're on their phone you you get a little bubble coming out so you can see what they're texting. Don't mind that, it's part of the plot. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, when you get, like, Jem, for example, she's, like, trying to be a YouTube star, why can't she just just sit in her bedroom? I know that's what kids do, but I don't know, like... I mean, I used to record radio shows and stuff of myself yeah. and things, but 
it would start in my room and I'd maybe just write stuff. Every kid starts in their room with, with just them and their thing. There's too much of that iPads and things like that. And it, you lose the magic because then you start to see there's more of a corporate element creeping in. Totally. And the modern element, yeah. which is cynical, as I said before, and sad. So I don't, I don't think the Goonies would work as a, as a show today. I don't think it would work at all, actually. Ultimately, I think that the years that we grew up have been the best years. Mm. We've we've crossed over from non-internet to internet yeah. and we've seen the best of both worlds. Mm-hmm. And I, I think, I'm not trying to put a downer on things, um, but I do, I, I do wonder what's going to happen going forward. Yeah, because there's, I know people give, say, that millennials a, a hard time, but there are a lot of millennials that still remember the, the old way into the new way as well. Yeah. But it's the generation after that yeah. that I'm thinking about more. So our, our friends' kids right now who don't know anything, you know, as babies they pick up a phone and they can swipe something, you know, whereas I think millennials just get hard times because they've just been more entrenched. But I think, I'm going to say this, this might be controversial, if they were going to remake anything or turn it into a TV show, I think Flight of the Navigator would work better oh, so than, the than the Goonies. But I would rather they don't yeah. ch- touch them at all. Because the the, pro- the problem with like Lost Boys is I can see why they've looked at that and they've gone and see a marketing guy in a studio has gone, oh, that would be really cool. Uh, people like werewolves and vampires, right? And stuff like that. So, you know, they're cool vampires that don't glow in the dark and stuff. Or glow in the light. Or whatever Twilight was. And they don't sparkle. They're kind of cool and edgy. But no, you know, you never really needed to know the backstory. Yeah. Of all, I've, I've there's a comic actually that I've been reading which tells you a bit more about the Frog Brothers after that period. But you don't really need to know. So I think the verdict is leave things alone. Totally. Leave stuff alone. Bring okay. out new ideas. And new ideas. Anyway, thank you, Helena. Thank you for joining me. So, Helena, where can people follow you and find you online? Just podcart.co and. Uh at Helena1979 it's as simple as that cool follow Helena on Twitter and go check out her uh, website uh, Glasgow Podcart um, and we will have the description all the URLs and things in the description of the podcast cool thank you very much bye bye well that's it for Geeky Monkey the podcast Um, I would like to thank all my guests for taking part the lovely Joe Glass of the Pride comic and Neil Gibson of Tea Pub um, I'd also like to thank Helena Rafai of Podcart for joining me in some geeky discussion. Um, please go out right now and grab issue 15 of Geeky Monkey Magazine. You can follow Geeky Monkey Magazine on Facebook. Just search for Geeky Monkey Mag. If you're on Twitter, you can find Geeky Monkey at the Geeky Monkey. I'm on Twitter as well under the name We Claire, and I'm also on Facebook as uh, We World Blog. And you can also catch me at my blog at WeClaire.com. Very easy to remember. Um, so that was the Geeky Monkey Podcast. Thanks for listening. We'll be back soon.